In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, around the mid-1900s, C.S. Lewis, the popular British Christian author, he wrote an article called God in the Dock. And to start the sermon, I want to read a paragraph that he wrote. He wrote this, The ancient man approached God or even the gods as the accused person approaches his judge. But for the modern man, the roles are reversed. He is the judge and God is in the dock. He's a quite kindly judge if God should have a reasonable defense for being the God who permits war, poverty, and disease. He is ready to listen to it. The trial may even end in God's acquittal. But the important thing is that man is on the bench And God is in the dock. Uh, To put it another way, man throughout all of history considered God as the one who judges us. But the attitude of today, the contemporary or modern problem, is that we view ourselves as the judge of God. And we hold God to some rule or standard that, uh, of niceness that we have in our mind. And if he doesn't measure up to that standard, then, uh, th- then we judge him for it. So if he does live up to the standard, then that's great and he's worthy of all praise. But if he doesn't live up to that standard, uh, then we furrow our brow at what he does. And we look at him with disgust because he said or did something that doesn't measure up with the God that we have in mind. So we judge him. And we question God. We get angry with him for the words he said. And if he doesn't live up to the standard, then we just don't pray to him. We stop coming to church. We ignore him and we leave him in the dust if we don't like what he says. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because of all the things that Jesus did in his life, I've found that the one text that people judge Jesus for the most is the gospel lesson that you heard today, uh, the Canaanite woman. Here we see the Canaanite woman begging for help from Jesus to heal her demon-possessed daughter. And Jesus stays silent. Um, And the more she cries out, the worse the interaction gets. It just gets worse and worse as time goes on. He says more and more pointed things the longer this goes on. First, Jesus doesn't answer her a word, as it says in verse 23. Then he says to his disciples, not even talking to her, he says to his disciples so that she could hear it, she could overhear it, but he wasn't addressing her. And he says, I was, not, I was sent only to the sheep of the house of Israel. That's what he says to his disciples. And then she cries out again and says, Lord, help me. And then he says, it is not right finally addressing her. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. That's what he said. Now, before I go on any further, I want to point out something here that I've listened to a good amount of sermons on this text. And I've read a a couple more just online. And uh, you can just Google this sort of thing. Just type in uh, the Canaanite woman and you'll find... Uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of things written on this. And what I've found, at least from what I've seen, is that there's a trend when it comes to the text. 
uh, that liberal theologians, liberal pastors tend to do one of two things. Uh, The first is they either tend to explain it away or they judge, judge Jesus for it. They'll explain it away or they'll judge him for it. So, Uh, Some will explain away the text and they'll say, well, maybe Jesus didn't hear her the first time. So he wasn't really ignoring her. It seems like he was, but he just didn't hear her. (laughs) That's nice. Or they'll say, look, (laughs) well, the word for dog here uh, in Greek is in the diminutive form, uh, which means little dog. And so what Jesus is really calling her is a puppy. Right? Uh, And everybody loves puppies, and that's what he's comparing her to. So he's not really calling her a dog, that's offensive, but he's calling her a sweet little puppy that he wants to hold and and take care of. Others uh, have said, well, Jesus is behaving this way because uh, he's tired, obviously. Uh, He, in his humanity, had a bad day, and just like all people, we get grumpy at times. And so we're irritated and irritable, uh, and that's what's going on. Uh, By the way, all of those examples that I said are in other sermons, actual other sermons that you can find. Um, What they'll do is they'll just explain away the text, everything in it, as if it's all just a big big misunderstanding, as as if it's not really as bad as it seems. So that's the first way to deal with the text. The second way people deal with the text uh, are those who, uh, in this way, they simply hold the plain meaning of the words, The words mean exactly what they say, but they judge Jesus for it. Um, So they say that Jesus was reflecting, this is a direct quote, reflecting the feelings of a male-dominated culture. (laughs) Uh, In other words, he was a sexist, right? Others accuse Jesus of classism or xenophobia and bigotry and explicit racism because they say the woman was a Canaanite. So that's why he was doing this. Uh, They say Jesus was degrading to her. He was unfair. And some have even apologized on behalf of Jesus here. Um, And others have said that when Jesus healed her at the very end, this was Jesus' way of saying, I'm sorry for all of the stuff I said before. Uh, I was wrong and I'm going to make it up to you. And the way I'm going to make it up to you is just by giving you what you want. Uh, these two are also real examples from other sermons. So these people don't distort the text. Instead, they simply look at Jesus and then judge him and look down on him for what he said. Now, today, I won't do either of those things. So I won't explain away the words. And I won't judge Jesus for what he says or does. What you hear happen in this account is something that actually happened as it is written. And Jesus actually said these things to another human being, flesh and blood like you on this earth. Jesus actually called her a dog. Now, there is no there's no nice way to spin that at all. A dog is a dog. And and I'll prove it to you. For all of you wives here at Zion, uh, what if your husband called you a dog today? Um, What if the man you were dating called you a dog? What if I, the pastor of the church, referred to your wife or your daughter 
as a dog. What in the world would you do? I, I don't think anyone, I don't think, I, I love you all, and I know you love me, but I don't think any of you would say, well, he must mean a cute little puppy. <laughs> he must mean she's just really adorable to him. No, you and I and everyone else in the world knows exactly how insulting this would be if I did that. I don't think you would be here the next Sunday. I don't think you would answer any calls. You would be gone. And I know this because people have left the church over less. I've seen people get up and leave the church just because another person in the church disagreed with them. Didn't insult them. They just didn't have the same point of view on something mundane or frivolous. You would leave if I called you a dog or someone else here did. And here, this poor woman has God, Christ the Lord, who cannot lie, say, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I don't know what's going on here today. Some have tried putting an explanation to this and saying something like, well, Jesus is trying to draw out faith from her, that he's trying to strengthen her faith in him, like this is some sort of test. But the truth is the scriptures are usually quite clear in telling us when Jesus does something of this nature. They say he did this to test them. It tells us that he tests people and he tests the disciples. But we don't have any indication of that here in the text. We don't have any insight in the text of what's going on in Jesus' mind right now. We can speculate, but Matthew and Mark, uh, who record this account, they don't disclose anything else that's going on here. So I can't really tell you what's going through Jesus' head. We could speculate, we could think about things, but uh, we don't have any firm answer. I just know this, that Jesus is God, and that what he says seems harsh to my ears. And yet, he hasn't said anything untrue to this woman. He hasn't treated this woman unfairly, if you can believe it or not. You have pastors and churches recoil at Jesus' word and try to explain them away, try to defend Jesus here. Or others will judge Jesus here, calling him racist or unloving. You and I hear these words, we, are, we recoil, we feel uncomfortable with what Jesus says. You have the world who hears a text like this and says, what kind of God is that? What is wrong with him? You have Luther, Martin Luther himself who says of this text, he says, if Jesus talked to me that way, I would run away to the hills crying. You and I and all of the entire world get offended and angry with Jesus and and upset with him for what he says to this Canaanite woman, except for this Canaanite woman, the one he said it to. She is not upset. She doesn't fight it. She doesn't get angry. She doesn't judge Jesus and say, look, how dare you? And then storm off. He calls her a dog. And the first word out of her mouth is yes. In Greek, that word is truth. That's true. Yes. Um, Yes, Lord. And then she says, for even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. 
And that is astounding. Pay close attention to what she said. I'll read it again. Yes, Lord, for even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. This is the very best reply in all of Scripture to Jesus. And the very best word she says in that sentence is the third person possessive plural pronoun, which is there. She doesn't say the master's table. She says their master's table, meaning, look, these dogs, no matter how, uh, uh, how lowly they may be, they belong to someone. And she is saying, yes, I'm one of those dogs that, that doesn't deserve to sit at the table. I'm one of the dogs that deserves to be at, uh, at, at, the, at the foot of the table or at, underneath the table. Uh, but she claims Jesus to be her master, her Lord. And so she says she belongs to Jesus. Look, it's as if she said, yes, Lord, I am a dog. If you call me that, that is true. That's true, truly what I am. And I don't deserve to be called any better, not for what I've done, not for who I am. And I'll gladly be a dog. Just so long as I am your dog and just so long as you're my master. I'll gladly be the least in the kingdom of heaven and live beneath the table and everyone else and eat the crumbs from the floor just so long as I am in your home, under your table, at your feet. (laughs) And to that, Jesus says, O woman, great is your faith. This is the only woman he's ever said this to where all the world would stand up to judge Jesus right here and get upset with him, this woman allows herself to be judged by Jesus. Jesus speaks, and then the first word out of her mouth is yes. It's not a defense. It's not a recoiling. It's not being upset. She just says yes, no matter how harsh it may sound. She knows who she is, but she also knows who he is. He is the Lord, the son of David, she cried out to who came to have mercy upon poor, miserable sinners. And that, dear saints, is great faith. Because great faith doesn't look down on Christ or judge him because of what he says or does, no matter how harsh it may seem to us. And the reason we consider this text every single year so that your faith would become strong like her faith, so that it would not grow weary under the truth, that you wouldn't run away from the truth. Look, every few years, I have someone ask me, look, Pastor, um, they'll say, do we really need to begin every single service in the same way, saying these words, saying, I, a poor, miserable sinner, Confess unto you all my sins and iniquities which, with which I have ever offended you, Lord, and I justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. Do we have to start this way? The truth is sometimes we get embarrassed of this, especially if we have visitors or friends or family members in town. 
will think, look, this is such a dark and dreary way to start the service. We have so many problems in our life. And then here we come to church and some of the first words out of our mouth is that we're poor and miserable and that we're sinners, that we deserve death and to go to hell. That's what we're saying when we say those words. So instead of that, let's do something more uplifting, more accepting that people will want to come back for. Some of our own Lutheran churches have even cut this confession of sins out of the service because it is uninviting. It's unwelcoming. It's offensive to people. But here we won't ever cut it out or get rid of these words. I won't let you do it and then you won't let me do it or any other pastor do it. You don't let them do that. We won't take these words away because the words are true. And this church is about the truth, is about God's word. It is entirely true that no matter how much money you have or how healthy you are or how good you feel on any given Sunday, it remains a fact that you are indeed a poor, miserable sinner. I'm not talking about how you feel in the moment. I'm talking about what you are in the moment. And as sinners, we truly do deserve temporal death and eternal damnation for our sins. We're not just being modest or feigning humility here. For what we've done, we deserve worse. We We genuinely deserve to go to hell, every single one of us. In fact, if the Lord were to send us to hell right now, in this very moment, he would not be doing anything unfair or unjust. So we don't recoil at these words or explain them away. We, say, we, we don't say, look, that poor, miserable sinners. That's not what it really means. It, it's, it's not like that. The, the truth is these words mean exactly what they say. So we confess these words with all of our hearts. And we say, yes, Lord, I know that all of these things that the scriptures say about me are true. I am poor. I am miserable. I am a sinner. I do justly deserve temporal death and eternal punishment. In fact, if you were to send me and cast me away and forsake me forever right now, you would not be unfair or unjust. It's what I deserve. What the scriptures say about me is true. But I also know that all the things the scriptures say about you are true as well. And Lord, I know that you don't delight in the death of the wicked. I know you want everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I know that you are true God and true man, that you've come to redeem me, a lost and condemned creature to purchase and win me from all of my sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with your holy, precious blood and with your innocent suffering and death, that I may be your own. And live under you and your kingdom. So yes, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. But I know that you love and you have come to save sinners and be our savior. So if I am the lowest and the least and the last in your kingdom, I don't mind just as long as I'm in your kingdom. As long as I'm yours. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, a dog in the house of my God, rather than dwell in the tents of the wicked. 
Dear saints, that is strong faith. We don't explain away our sins or explain away God's word. We hold to every word of the law in its full sternness and we hold to every word of the gospel in its full sweetness. We don't approach God and judge him. We stand humbly before him because he is our judge. And yet since Christ is your judge, you don't have to worry or be dismayed because the same one who judges you guilty of your sin is the same one who judges you forgiven in his blood. Everything Jesus said about your sin is true. And everything he says about your forgiveness is true. And his unfailing love, his unending mercy, and his great and glorious salvation for you is true as well. He gives his grace and mercy to those who don't deserve it. Dear saints, may God strengthen your faith to hear every word every single word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.